We are studying the Ten Commandments, and today we get to one of the most simple and straightforward commands. Exodus 20:15, God says, you shall not steal. See, stealing is taking something that doesn't belong to you and making it your own. That's what it meant then, and that's what it means now. In Old Testament times, the punishment for stealing was that a thief had to pay back five times the amount he stole. Can you imagine if they had that penalty today? According to the National Association for Shoplifting Prevention, which, by the way, it's really sad that we have to have that, um, but more than $13 billion in goods are stolen from retailers each year. That's about $35 million a day. Both men and women shoplift in equal proportion. 25% of shoplifters are underage. 55% of adult shoplifters say they started shoplifting in their teens. One out of every 11 people will commit the crime of shoplifting at some point in their life. This isn't just candy bars or, or packs of gum. The average shoplift, shoplifting incident costs stores almost $800. Forbes magazine reported that Walmart loses $3 billion a year to theft. That's almost $10 for every person in America. According to the Department of Commerce, companies and businesses lose over $50 billion a year to employee theft. That same estimates that 75% of all employees steal at least once, and half of those steal repeatedly. This isn't just pencils and paper clips and styrofoam cups. The average employee theft was $1,922.80. In fact, one in every three business failures is the result of employee theft. One of my friends shared a story with me. In 2009, I hit one of the deepest depressions I've ever faced. I worked for a doctor's office and had access to all the banking information. We were fine financially, but I wanted more. I thought that stuff would make it all better. I started writing checks out of my boss's account. When I got away with it, I gained more courage and my amounts got larger. $8,500 was my final total. The accountant figured it out. I was called into the office and had to meet with the lawyer and my boss. It was the lowest possible place that I'd ever been. But in ways that only God can orchestrate, my boss stood up, looked me in the eye, and reminded me that he loved me, and he forgave me. I paid the money back, and that relationship was restored. Sadly, though, most stories don't end that way. In the United States alone, corporations and individuals spend more than $66 billion this year on cybersecurity, trying to keep thieves from stealing information and data. But in spite of all that Spending, cyber criminals hacked the database of Equifax, one of the largest credit bureaus, and stole personal data of 145 million people. Many of you have experienced some, some form of credit card fraud. 16.7 million Americans were victims of identity theft in 2007, resulting in a loss of over $16.8 billion. In 2013, every one of Yahoo's 3 billion accounts were hacked, and the company didn't discover it until 2016. In 2016, hackers stole the data of 57 million Uber users. 
A few years ago, Ashley Madison, a website designed to help people cheat on their spouse, was hacked. People breaking the Eighth Commandment stole the information in the secrets of people breaking the Seventh Commandment. And it's not just stuff that's stolen. If an employee is paid for eight hours of work and only gives his employer seven hours, he is stolen an hour of the day. We, we may call it killing time, but really it's stealing time. A friend wrote, I have always been adamant about not stealing. If a cashier gave me extra penny at checkout, I returned it. My mom instilled in me that we reap what we sow, even if it's a penny. However, in reflection, since I've retired, I realized that I stole time from my employer. Stealing tangible things was so easy to understand, and I had to realize that Satan was tempting me to steal time from my employer in subtle ways, and it was just the same as stealing money. Tangible versus intangible theft is the same. Breaking the Eighth Commandment is a sin with a lot of entertainment value. Movies like Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12, Ocean's 13, Ocean's 8, and the next installment, Ocean's 397, they, they make it look like it's an exciting and glamorous adventure. Stories like Robin Hood turn thieves into heroes who take from the rich and give to the poor. But stealing isn't interesting or funny at all if you're the victim. Really, we're all victims. If people would quit breaking the Eighth Commandment, you would pay less for milk, for bread, for clothes, and electronics. You would pay lower taxes. You wouldn't have to worry about having a hundred different passwords to keep everything safe. The reality is that everyone gets angry when people take stuff from them. But if they want something, they redefine what they're doing. Lying about taxes isn't stealing. It's a game. They try to get as much as they can, and I try to keep as much as I can. Another person might say, using the company card for personal expenses or adding expenses to my expense account isn't stealing. Right? They should be paying me more anyways. Besides, you should see what the boss does with his credit card. Downloading music or movies illegally isn't stealing. That stuff should be free in the first place. It's a victimless crime. No one is hurt. Or maybe they say, if a restaurant makes a mistake in my favor, staying quiet about it isn't stealing. It's just me having a lucky day and being blessed by God. But God said, you shall not steal. In case you think the Eighth Commandment was just for Old Testament, look what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Thieves were included in the same list as adulterers, the sexually immoral, and the wicked. Those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a big deal. So if stealing is breaking a command and, and can keep you out of heaven, why do people steal? Pastor Rod, our, our network lead pastor, asked a question on his Facebook page a few months ago. And one of the top answers was for the thrill of it or for the rush. One of his friends confessed as a teenager it was just recreation. 
the challenge and the high of getting away with it. Then it became addicting. I couldn't imagine paying for something when it was so easy to steal. You see, it's not just students who, who steal for the thrill of it. Adults steal to see if they can get away with it. It's a challenge, a game that they feel that they can win. There are many other reasons that people steal. Pride. Pride. They want to impress people with what they have. A friend wrote, when I was a young mother, I worked in a famous department store. I started out abusing my clothing discount. And then I began to swap price tags, putting clearance tags on newer clothes. I moved on to walking out of the store with bags of clothes that I had simply removed the security devices from. I wanted my 18-month-old to be the best-dressed toddler in daycare. He was. And my heart was dressed in its best darkness. Some people steal to feed their addictions. I can't tell you how many times we've counseled with people whose adult children have stolen from them in order to support a drug habit. People actually steal from their own families. Yet other people steal because they feel entitled. They think they deserve what they, what they want that they have not earned or, or they deserve better because they think they are better. In other words, they have the right to steal. Surprisingly, maybe to you, this happens a lot in church. People feel entitled to take from the church because I'm a tither, or it's my church, or I give a lot, or, or this little bit won't matter. It's unbelievable, but, but people actually break the eighth commandment in God's house. I could tell stories all day. Listen, you can't imagine how difficult it is to keep the kitchen and the pantry full of, of normal supplies. It's the reason that when we go to Sam's, we buy extra. So just in case people take more, that we still have enough left over whenever we go to do something. People borrow utensils. People borrow chairs and tables and never bring them back. We've had people take entire boxes of K-cups, of coffee. Well, if they're having a party at their house, what better place to get the supplies than church? I mean, the reality is we're cheaper than Party City, and we have less lines. But you see, we've had a lot of stuff stolen. I personally have had a guitar stolen from the church. But here's what we've decided is we understand that that's just a price that we pay and a cost of doing business. So we buy more than necessary and keep it on hand so that whenever we need it, there's some there. Walk around. Sunday schools that we haven't even had in the past year still have closets that are locked. Ministries are asking for locks to put on their stuff so that their stuff doesn't come missing the next week. That's right. You lock, you lock stuff to keep it from the people sitting next to you in the pew. Let me balance that with mercy. This is an official, I stole from the church amnesty day and week. If you broke the Eighth Commandment and stole from the church, bring it back. We won't ask you questions. We're not going to press charges. We won't kick you out of ministry. We're not going to put a mark next to your name in the record or your picture in the bulletin. Do the right thing and bring God's stuff back to God's house. 
If you took supplies, pay for it. Put cash in an envelope and market supplies or a kitchen or whatever it is. Now listen, don't put your name on it because you're not going to get giving credit for something you stole. Just pay for what you took. And I've got a word from God for you. Stop it. Stop stealing from God's house. Stop breaking the Eighth Commandment at church. You should stop breaking it, period, but especially at church. Some people steal out of jealousy. They want what other people have, but they don't want to work for it. So to them, stealing is a quick and easy fix. Yet others steal out of anger. It's not right that you've got so much more than me, so I'm going to show you and take your stuff. Still others steal in search of acceptance. One of my Facebook friends wrote, I never stole anything to get ahead of people. I stole to be on the same par and not less than people. I've seen a number of times where individuals who weren't looking to steal anything had the opportunity that dropped in their lap. Seeing a no-risk opportunity to benefit themselves, their selfish nature took over. Yet others still, because they're lazy, their attitude is, why work for it if I can get it for free? Ephesians chapter 4 addresses that mindset. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle or not working. They are busy. They are not busy. They are busybodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread that they eat. Some people steal because that's how, that's how they were taught. They had bad life examples. A pastor in Michigan wrote, I stole because my dad stole. My dad stole because he didn't think he had the money to ever get me anything nice because we were poor. So he would steal books from the public library and give them to me as gifts. He stole billiard balls from, from bars so that I would have some to go along with the pool table that he found. So when I got a little bit older, I stole. Fortunately, Christ found me shortly after that, and that behavior went away because I knew I was rich in Christ, and I never stole again. I think the main reason that people steal is greed, a desire for more. They aren't satisfied or content with what they have, so they take it from others in an attempt to have enough. But the problem with that is they never get there. They never get enough. Some people steal because they think everyone else does it. And if everyone does it, then it's okay, right? Can I just tell you, that's horrible logic. Another top reason for, for stealing was desperation or necessity. Listen to what people said. I've stolen toys, supplies, and time. My motivation for theft was usually necessity. I needed something but didn't have the means to pay for it. Yet another person wrote, the main reason that I used to steal was out of necessity. I would wear out work clothes quickly, and when I couldn't return or exchange them, I would simply swap them out for new. Another person wrote, I stole because I was employed and on the brink of homelessness, 
And I had to find a way to get food and things that I and my children needed. If people have a big need and no way to meet it, in their minds, that justifies breaking the Eighth Commandment. The problem is God doesn't give you an out. God simply says, you shall not murder. Wow, it is, you shall not steal. That's what I get for thinking instead of reading, right? You shall not steal. The Eighth Commandment applies to everybody. The rich, the poor, the strong, the weak. At the core of breaking the Eighth Commandment is the idea that God really isn't going to provide for you. When you take something that doesn't belong to you, you're demonstrating that you don't believe that God is capable of meeting your needs. Stealing comes from a lack of trust in God. When you break the Eighth Commandment, what you're really saying is that you don't trust God. Stealing violates the basic principles of stewardship, that everything comes from God and belongs to God. Arthur Jerry Bridges says that you can have three basic attitudes towards what you have. You can say, what's mine is God's, I'll share it. That's the attitude of stewardship. You can say, what's mine is mine, I'll keep it. That's the attitude of greed. Or you can say, what's yours is mine, and I'll take it. And that's the attitude of theft. Stealing drives a wedge into the body of Christ. Stealing destroys trust. Trust is impossible in an environment where people are taking from each other. The result is suspicion and investigation, which destroys communities. So if you're guilty of the Eighth Commandment, what should you do? First, you've got to stop rationalizing your behavior and call it what it is, sin. It might be something in the past. It might be something that you're doing right now. Plain and simple, it was and it is a sin. So confess your sin. Confess your sin. Second, repent. Remember, repentance is different than confession. Repentance is confession plus a change in attitude and future behavior. Confession says, I did it, but repentance says, I will never do it again. Third, make it right. Pay the money back. Give back the stuff. It doesn't matter how long it's been. Make restitution and make it right. Facebook was filled when this question was asked of stories from people who made it right. A pastor said, when I was in my early teen years, I was not living for God. But the only music that my parents would allow me to listen to was Christian music. And I recognized that it was easier to steal Christian music than secular music because the Christian store didn't have any sort of security system. I once stole cassette tapes of the entire Petra catalog from 1973 to 1986 in one day at the family Christian store in our mall in Texas. By the way, teenagers, a cassette tape was this thing that us old people used to have that played music, okay? It had two sides on it, so you couldn't even listen to the entire thing. You guys are there? Years later, after I got saved, I went to the store and confessed what I had done. And the manager looked at him and said, you stole Christian music? 
They ended up saying that there was nothing they could do since it was years earlier and off their books. But he was thankful for my confession and that God had changed my heart. Yet another friend wrote as a teenager, I just wanted to see if I could get away with stealing. I stole a ring from the local dime store. I felt so guilty I couldn't even sleep. A few days later, I went back to the store, confessed to the owner, and paid for the ring. He asked if, if he should call my parents to let them know that I'd come in. I said I'd understand if he chose to do that, but I really didn't want them to know what I'd done. He was shocked to find out that I'd come in on my own and promised, and he promised not to say anything. I found out decades later that he kept his word. Now, over 40 years later, I still shop in the store and appreciate his quick forgiveness. Others told of how their parents forced them to make it right. A pastor friend of mine named Tim said, I'll never forget the time that I asked my mom if I could get a candy bar while we were at Home Depot. My, my parents said no, and so I put it up in my pocket and walked right out the door with it. Apparently, I thought my parents had short-term memory loss because when I got into the parking lot, I whipped out the candy bar and asked my mom to open it for me. <laughs> Needless to say, she made me go back in and return the candy bar and apologize to the cashier. A woman named Pam wrote, I was five and took some penny candy from the Mad Butcher store, which, by the way, I don't think I'd want to steal from the Mad Butcher store. My mom made me take the walk of shame to the manager's office and apologize. Then she uttered the most horrible sentence I had ever heard in my life. You are going to tell your daddy what you did. I feared the spanking, but my dad sat me down, talked to me, and said he was disappointed in my choice. And that ended my life of crime. Those are some wise parents. Confess. Repent, make it right, and receive God's forgiveness. Your heavenly Father still loves you and has a plan for your life. Receive his forgiveness. Forgive yourself and move forward in his plan. Finally, make the decision to live with integrity. In an atmosphere and culture of dishonesty and distrust, you will shine bright and bring glory to God when you live with integrity. Jamie Stewart from the Little Rock campus explains so well that I just want to read to you his words. He said, I think to still is more natural than to refrain from it. All children have to be taught that stealing is wrong, or at least that it results in unwanted consequences. We still, when the perceived intensity of our want or needs exceeds our aversion to stealing and its potential consequences. A thief who decides to pursue Christ stops stealing not only to please God and to avoid consequences, but also because Christ provides for our needs and regulates our wants. It's powerful words. I want to read to you two statements made by Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. First, verse 8 says, For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then in verse 32, says, For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. The context here where, where Jesus says, Why do you worry about what you will eat or what you will drink? Why do you worry about the clothes or what you have? Your heavenly Father knows what you need. 
He knows what you need, and he's promised to provide for you. I wonder if God watches us, and and I can't support this in Scripture. It's just me wondering if God watches us as we break this eighth commandment, and we decide that we can't trust him to take care of our needs, if God simply just removes his hands and says, fine, if you're going to take care of it for yourself, let me know how that works out for you. You can decide to trust God, or you can decide to take matters into your own hands. Now, which of those is a better decision? Can I tell you, I found 100 times out of 100 times that it's better to follow God than to try and do it in our own power. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray for you. And what we're going to do is we're going to have everybody who's stolen from the church come down to the altar. And when that gets full, we're going to fill up all the way to the back. I'm joking. We're not going to do that. But here's what we are going to do. We want to pray with you and pray for you. And and we're going to do it in the way we're just going to go through these steps together. Step one said confess. So I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray with me. God, we come to you, Lord, realizing that sometimes we've made mistakes. God, and today we confess that we've stolen. God, that we've stolen time from employers. God, maybe it's supplies that we've taken. God, maybe it's whatever it is. God, it doesn't matter what it is, but today... God, we confess that to you. God, and we ask your forgiveness. God, because we know that that's not what you want for us. God, deep down inside us, we know that it's wrong. And so, God, today we confess it to you. But, God, beyond that, Lord, we repent of that. Lord, we no longer want that to be our mode of operation. God, we we want to honor you with our lives. And so, God, today we repent, God, and we say that, that we might have done this before, but God, we'll never do it again. God, I also pray for people in here, God, that have stolen, God, that you will help them make it right. God, that you will begin to bring things back in their memory, God, that they have stolen And Lord, you'll help them make it right. That they would go back and, and, and take back what was stolen. God, if it was stuff that they can't take back, Lord, that they would go back and pay restitution for what was stolen. God, that they would make it right. God, and, and even though it might be embarrassing, God, we know that there is freedom when truth comes out. So Lord, help them take that bold step of faith. But God, I also pray for them right now, God, that they would be able to receive your forgiveness. God, that in the midst of it, God, of feeling terrible about it, God, that they would simply just submit it to you, God, and receive it. God, beyond 
receiving forgiveness from you, God, that you would help them forgive themselves. God, for some in this room, they've carried that burden for time and, and for months and some for some years. And God, we just ask that you would help them forgive themselves, God, because you have forgiven them. God, and last and certainly not least, well, we pray that you would help us to live with integrity. God, in every single area of our lives, God, that you would help us live with integrity. God, that we wouldn't be drawn to steal. God, that we wouldn't be drawn to take. But God, that we would do the right thing, God, at all times, whether people are watching or they're not. We pray that you help them walk with integrity in every area of their life. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.